Midwest. Good morning, gardeners. This is Gardening with Cisco on Cairo 97.3, and I am not Cisco. I'm Marty Wingate, and I'm delighted to be here today to fill in for Cisco. Now, I don't, uh, I, I've just been asked, how long has Cisco gone? I don't remember. Was he here last weekend? He was, yes. Okay, so I don't know how long he's going to be gone, but I don't know if you know where he and Mary went, but I will I will reveal all right now, and that way you can pin him down when he gets back. They're in France. Yes, how dare they? <laughs> how dare they leave us? Um, actually, they're going to miss today because this is gorgeous. The, the snow is, I don't know where you are, but the snow is finally almost completely melted uh, up uh, north. I live in Mount Lake Terrace. And so a sunny day like this, it doesn't matter if it's going to be the low 30s overnight. We think spring. Yay. We thought spring in January. And then it went away. And we were very sad. But now it's back. Um, And it's time now that you can see your garden again. Now the snow is is going away. It's time to think about what's going on out there, what sort of plans you have for the garden, what your favorite spring plants are. We can hit on all of those um, topics in this hour. And I hope that if any of you have a comment or a question about anything garden-related or, for that matter, you know, travel-related, you will give me a call. And the number you can call is 888 973-5476. That's 888-973-CAIRO. And I would be delighted to talk with you. Brian is at the board today. Thank goodness taking care of me because I said, I don't know, I don't know, pushing buttons. So um, I uh, give me a call and uh, let me know what's going on. I want to know do any of you have an Azara that is blooming right now or has been blooming? Because uh, for those of you who don't know, Azara microphylla is one of the most fabulous broadleaf evergreen shrubs, trees, it it can get up to 25 feet, um, that you could ever plant in your garden. It has a very soft look to it. The leaves are small and it has a loose form, um, vaguely horizontal leaves, vaguely. And uh, the tiny green leaves are glossy. Now, Azara, as it turns out, can take uh, a hard prune very well. And I discovered this not through my own pruning, but years ago, uh, when I was working at the library at the Center for Urban Horticulture, the Miller Library, I came in one day and walking through what had was the shade garden then is now the fragrance garden. Um, there were two or three Azaras that had grown about 20 feet high, and, and they're fairly wide, maybe about 12 feet wide. They're not giant. They had um, The grounds crew had cut them down. I mean, cut them down to trunks about maybe 12 inches off the ground. I was heartbroken. I thought, oh my gosh, these are one of my favorite plants. How could they do that? I swear, it was not a month later they were sprouting. So uh, let me just say that they they take cutting uh, well. And now the reason I want to know if anyone has one blooming now is because the fragrance, although the flowers are small, yellow, little frizzled clusters along the branches, very close to the leaves, they're nothing showy. 
you walk anywhere near them and you get this overwhelming chocolate scent. Really, it is actually chocolate. Now, I don't know exactly which um, pollinating insect (laughs) likes chocolate that much that uh, it has um, developed to attract that, but it's fabulous for the garden. So um, full sun, a tiny bit of shade, that would be all right. And like I said, it does take it. It makes um, it's one of my favorite screening plants because it's like a scrim. If you know, in the theater, you know they put that white. I think it's cheesecloth or very, very see-through muslin. They'll use as a backdrop, and you can shine a light behind it and then see what's going on. It's a soft screen, and so if there's something in your garden or outside of your garden that you don't want to see, and this. A Zara microphylla um, fits the the dimensions you have up to twenty five feet. Although, like I said, you know it will uh, take pruning, and about twelve feet uh, wide. Then this is the plant for you. There is a variegated uh, Azara, which um, can get the same size. It it then they are treeish. I mean, you can limb them up, and so they'll be more like a tree. But m- most of the time, they have um, foliage to the ground, and they look just fabulous. So uh, that's Azara microphylla for anyone looking for a, an early spring or late winter blooming plant that smells fantastic. The other uh, winter, late winter. Um, important thing I want to say right now is, have you cut your epimedium back? Epimedium is a fantastic dry shade ground cover, high ground cover, usually about a foot high. And um, in the spring, in the early spring, here come these delicate stems of little tiny flowers in pink or yellow or white, um, Often with uh, swept back petals, they're very they're dainty and they're pretty, and they're about to start growing. And so, what you want to do is get rid of all of that tatty foliage, which has been flattened by the snow and dried out, and some of it's brown. You want to start afresh. Cut that all back. If you have a whole um, section of epimedium, if you get out there now, you might want to take a look. Make sure those flowers sit. Because one time I had to cut a whole section, a uh, ground cover section of epimedium back with um, hand pruners very carefully because it was late March already and those flower stems were coming up. So do it now. Um, you could get out there with a weed trimmer now and do it and then have it all done at once. So epimedium fantastic dry shade uh, ground cover for under trees, along the eaves. You know, if you have that dry section of your house, they're just fabulous and you can find them in all sorts of colors. Um, Cut back epimedium now. And the third thing I wanted to tell you is it's quarter past 12. You have 45 minutes left to get to the Arboretum to buy plants from their display garden at the flower show, uh, uh, Flower and Garden Festival. Uh, They sell them off. I'm not sure. I don't think that orange is for sale. If you saw that fantastic uh, heavy laden orange tree, I think that was a loan. So I don't think you can buy that. But uh, a lot of the other plants in the garden are for sale really cheap until one o'clock. So get in there. Uh, If you're nearby, you can get there quickly and see what they have left. And uh, we are about to take a break. And I will get back after this and give you some news about tours. And we'll talk more spring plants. (music) 
Here's Cisco. Where is Cisco? Where did we find out Cisco is? He's in France. Hi, this is Marty Wingate, and I am filling in for Cisco uh, today while he and Mary are having a great time, and we are enjoying some sunshine. Uh, I would love it if you want to give me a call and talk about spring, That now that it's almost here. It is March, after all. Um, what's going on in your garden? What's happened after all the snow? If you've had any, oh, we'll talk about limbs breaking later. Uh, so the number to call is 888-973-5476, 888-973-CAIRO. Uh, although, you know, I have a feeling everybody's just outside taking a walk. But that's the way it goes. You have 40 minutes to get to the Arboretum and buy plants from their um, flower show garden. Uh, the sale goes till 1. You'll get great deals. You will be glad you did. So uh, I I want to put a, an extra early plug in for next year's tour, 2020. Uh, I will be leading a group of garden history and pub lovers <laughs> uh, on a tour of the Cotswolds. We're doing the Cotswolds again. We always have a great group when we have a Cotswolds tour. And uh, we will be going the whole length of the Cotswolds. We'll uh, go from Oxfordshire down to Bath in Somerset, or perhaps we'll go the other way around, Bath up to Oxfordshire. And we will be seeing fantastic large and small gardens. I uh, rely a lot on the National Garden Scheme in England where uh, home gardeners can be vetted to open their gardens to the public on a day or two a year. And that's always really, really fun because we're at someone's house and we're looking at their gardens and then having tea. So what more could you ask for? So this will be in June. Uh, the dates will be set quite soon. Here's how you will find out about them. Go to my website, martywingate.com, M-A-R-T-Y-W-I-N-G-A-T-E.com, and you can sign up for my newsletter. Now, let me just say, you're not going to be overwhelmed with newsletters from me. <laughs> I'm lucky if I can get three out a year. So uh, sign up there. As soon as the dates are set, I will send out a little notice, and you can put that on your calendar. Uh, along with the gardens, well, actually, you know, every time you talk about gardens in England, you can also insert something about what movie has been filmed in that garden or in that village or at that um, uh, abbey. And so we are going to also include some places. We were, uh, I was just talking with our uh Travel our tour director about including Laycock Abbey in Wiltshire. Laycock Abbey is a National Trust site. Usually you think of a National Trust site as a house, a house or, and a garden. This is an entire village. And um, it's really amazing to walk around and great fun. And, and the abbey is wonderful and the gardens are fabulous. Uh, but films, uh, things that have been filmed at Laycock Abbey include Harry Potter, several Harry Potter things, one, there's the house where Horace Slughorn lived. And, of course, if you remember that, that was Jim Broadbent. Remember? And he, he, had, he looked like a chair uh, for you Harry Potter fans. Cranford, uh, the Elizabeth Gaskell story that had Judy Dench and Eileen Atkinson, and um, that was filmed there. I believe that uh, th some scene in Downton Abbey was filmed there. Uh, there's a lot. 
So that's one of the places we're going to be going. So please do go to my website, martywingett.com, and uh, sign up for my newsletter so that you can get those dates in June 2020, next year, down in your calendar. Um, More details to come, more, more, perhaps more filming sites, and also, of course, more gardens. Um, Now, back to plants. And what I wanted to, uh, oh, maybe we'll talk about um, those broken branches on trees. It was, uh, it was a really heavy snow, and it lasted a long time, and there was a lot of it. And so everywhere um, we see branches broken. There was a, there's a lovely Scots pine up the road from us that giant branch just pe- And the problem is that, you know, these branches don't snap neatly. <laughs> next to, not into the collar, branch collar, but right next to the branch collar, leaving you with a clean cut so that the tree can recover well. No, no. These branches rip down the bark um, and can do a lot of damage when they break off that way. So you may already have started to address these problems if you had any like that in your garden. If you are wondering what to do if a tree can recover what should you do about cutting the broken branches off? And you need some expert advice? I will point you in the right direction. I will point you toward the Plant Amnesty website or phone number, which is on their website, plantamnesty.org. Um, Plant Amnesty has a list of consulting arborists and and actually arborists that will do the work as well and also gardeners in case you're looking for a gardener and they are very careful about who they put on the list and so that's a great place to look for uh, an expert to come and check your tree out plantamnesty.org they also do loads of classes and um, classes and events let's say and you can uh, get on get on their mailing list by golly They'll send you more stuff than I will, and it'll all be good. Uh, All right. uh, I have another spring plant, so maybe I'll give a spring plant or two in each of the segments. One of my favorite spring-blooming plants is Viburnum berkwoodii. There are a lot of Viburnums out there, let me tell you. Tons, tons and tons of Viburnums. Um, This is uh, a cross between, um, oh, you know, the smelly one. (laughs) <laughs> that really good smelly one, Carlesii, that's what it is, and uh, something else. This is a really fragrant bloomer. Clusters of white but tinged pinks, especially at the base, uh, flowers that the perfume is a wonderful, sweet and spicy perfume that will grab you from far away. It's um, semi-evergreen, so it will lose leaves. It may not lose all of its leaves in winter, but then when the new leaves start coming out, it'll drop all the old ones. So uh, my I used to say that the definition of a semi-evergreen plant was one that looked terrible in winter, <laughs> but well, it's kind of the case. Um, but you don't have to worry that it'll flush out in glossy green leaves and look just fabulous afterwards. I always considered it kind of vinish. It is a sprawling shrub to about eight feet or so, maybe 12 feet. It, it's what you could do what they call in England. You could grow it as a, a wall shrub, which means it's got a little um, protection. It doesn't really need the protection, but support. And uh, it looks lovely. You could espalier it. It would look fantastic that way as well. All right. 
Uh, I am Marty Wingett. I am filling in for Cisco today while he's in France. And we will be right back after this break. Good afternoon, everyone. I remembered to look at the clock and make sure that's correct. I'm Marty Wingett, and I am filling in for Cisco today. Uh, We have not very much time left, but it's always fun to talk about plants and travel. Um, And I have, uh, I just in the last segment, mentioned uh, a tour that I'm doing for 2020 to the Cotswolds. I'll say something else about that in a minute. But at the moment, if you have a question, if you have a comment, If you want to call up and say, oh, my poor tree that cracked in the terrible weather, uh, give us a call. The number is 888-973-5476. That's 888-973-CAIRO. I mentioned, uh, so June of 2020, I'll be taking a group to the Cotswolds, and we will be visiting gardens, and we will see places where they film um, movies and television shows that we love, and we will see all sorts of the, here are some highlights from uh the last Cotswolds tour I did. I think it was the last one. Um we of course saw fabulous gardens, Hidcote Manor, which is one of my all time favorite gardens. Uh we saw the courts in Wiltshire, which is really fun. It's got this row of uh uh yews that look like gumdrops or something out there. The, they trim them in their own fashion. Oh, and speaking of, of trimming and topiary, we went to a private garden pasture farm, which was just fabulous. The woman had two eight-foot-high rabbits on either side of the front door. Tri- topiary. It was just great. So we have, um, we have a lot of fun on the tours. And you can get the dates uh, for the tour and the details of our stops from my newsletter, which I will send out to you. And believe me, you will not get one of these very often. Uh, from signing up on my website at martywingate.com, M-A-R-T-Y-W-I-N-G-A-T-E.com. Before you can go visit English gardens, there are gardens around here to visit. And so I will say this is a perfect time of year and a perfect day to go to the um, Arboretum, although uh, you only have 25 minutes left to buy plants from their flower show garden, but to walk through the Winter Garden. The Winter Garden at the Arboretum is fantastic. Visit the Bellevue Botanic Garden. Um, A wonderful, a wonderful day out. And um, go to one of the open days at Heronswood over on the Kitsap Peninsula. And there is, and that's today. Perhaps you're in the car on the way there, rushing over there or on the way back. It's only open till three. They're having a sale today. And Heronswood is a fabulous place to visit. They have another open garden day on um, the next one, I think, is April 6th. So, um, which reminds me to talk about because they sell plants there when Heronswood has their open days, um, to talk about plant sales. Plant sale season is upon us. You know it is. And so uh, I think the Northwest Horticultural Society uh, plant sale might be next week. I'll look that up and make sure. 
But here's the deal. You probably are a member of a garden club. You may have your own plant sale and that you would like to advertise. This is a great way for organizations to raise funds. And here's how to get your uh, plant sale listed so that everybody who's looking for a plant sale to go to can see it. Contact the Miller Library at the Center for Urban Horticulture because they put out a calendar of plant sales and um, garden tours every year. So go to millerlibrary.org. You know, the website is really something along and con- contains UW and EDU and all that business. But I go to millerlibrary.org because that's what I remember. And contact them uh, to get your plant sale listed. So garden clubs, specialty plant societies, um, you can all do that. The Miller Library, speaking of which is having their uh, book lo- Garden Lovers book sale April 5th and 6th. That's coming up in just a month, and you will certainly want to stop by there because um, they have a uh, botanical art show in the library at the same time. It's wonderful. Uh, I'm looking up Northwest Horticultural Society because I think that their plant sale, spring ephemeral sale, is next weekend. Let's see if it is. I just got the email about it. I'm a member. You should go. You should join. We'll look at that in a minute. All right. Uh, Next plant I want to tell you about for spring is, oh my gosh, it's today. Hurry. It's at the Center for Urban Horticulture right now until three o'clock. Oh my gosh. There is a lot going on today. I tell you. Northwest Hort Society um, spring ephemeral plant sale now at the Miller, at the Center for Urban Horticulture UW campus. Right. And perhaps at that plant sale. I'm not sure. But you might find a Coralopsis. My favorite Coralopsis is the Buttercup Winter Hazel. Some people say that botanical names are hard, but sometimes the common names are a mouthful. Buttercup Winter Hazel is Coralopsis passiflora. There are several different shrubs. Um, This is a more, this is a smaller Coralopsis. It grows, well, uh, it could grow up to six feet high, but I kind of doubt it. Um, It has a very horizontal look to it. The stems are rather a dark red, and they have a slight zigzag to them. And this is what that tells you, that they are a member of the witch hazel family. Witch hazels have that slight zigzag to the branches, as does parotia, that fabulous um, tree. Parotia has a slight zigzag. So Coralopsis has these delicate horizontal branches. Now, about now, little, maybe an inch long cluster of pale yellow, pastel yellow flowers will open and dangle along the branches. It's just lovely. Then when the leaves come out, they are, they've got that pleated look and uh, they're quite red at the edge. They're, I think they're, they're slightly dentate or serrated and it just looks like they've been brushed with red around the edge. Beautiful, tidy uh, plant throughout the summer and then good fall color, uh, good uh, kind of a, a nice yellow straw, um, 
uh, fall color. Uh, they are also related to Father Gilla. Uh, another, oh, there we go. There's two uh, two spring plants for you in this segment. Uh, Father Gilla has um, vanilla-scented little white bottle brush flowers in spring. They It, too, is a lovely, tidy um shrub throughout, small shrub throughout the summer. And then in the fall, it gets really wild colors. So uh, that's a good fall color plant. So there are two related uh, deciduous shrubs for, especially for small gardens, but really for anywhere. The buttercup winter hazel, Corylopsis passiflora, and Father Gilla gardenii, uh, which that's the one with the fantastic fall color. Both of them will take a bit of shade, but prefer some sun. All right. I am Marty Wingett, and I am sitting in for Cisco um, today, and I will be back after this break. Hi, I'm Marty Wingett, and I'm sitting in for Cisco today, and we are going to go to the phones and talk to Gina. Hi, Gina. Are you there? Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great. Thank you. Um, uh, first of all, I wanted to talk about, um, I have an Esk Flamingo Snake Bark Maple. You know what that is? Oh, yeah. Gorgeous. gorgeous? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, the one I have, I, I have my trees in pots, mm. um, trying to look for a place to buy and want to put them in the ground. But for now, they're in pots. It doesn't have, it has, you know, it's branches, but it doesn't have as many branches as as it could. And I'm wondering, am I supposed to be maybe fertilizing it more? Um, am I supposed to be? I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing to get a little bit more, you know, more right. lush and branches out of it. Um, or is it just because it's in a pot? How big is the pot? Oh, gosh. Um, uh, gosh, I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe it's a foot around or so. Yeah. And is it the pot you bought it in? No, no. I've, I've upgraded it to a bigger pot a couple times, I think, since. Oh, okay. So it was small to begin with. So you've repotted it. When was the last time you repotted? Um, last year. Okay. Uh, so um, plants in pots, you know, you don't want to put them in too big a pot. So it doesn't sound like you have because you had to do it twice. Uh, it It is restrictive. Pots are restrictive. Uh, pots don't have... Uh, the roots don't have the ability to absorb nutrients from the general soil. And so if it's going to be in a pot for a while longer, you might want to give it a a little bit of weak fertilizer this year just to, you know, make sure it has what what it needs until you can get it in the ground. And then when you do get it in the ground, you've probably, you might have done this when you repotted it. You want to make sure you, uh, if there are any circling roots, that you kind of loosen all those up and trim off the yes. edges so that it doesn't continue circling. Yes, yes. Um, I do have Dr. Earth. It's a 555 uh-huh. um, natural uh, fertilizer. Is yeah. that something yeah. that would be good? Yeah, uh, that is a great um, organic fertilizer. It's slower to break down. It's not a real high number, so it's not going to burn anything. So that would be great to use. 
Okay. All right. Okay. Um, and then um, may I ask you a couple other things? Sure. Um, if you have time. Um, so you mentioned that Azaria microphilia um, that smells like chocolate. Yeah. Um, wow, I've never heard of that, and I'm, like, totally fascinated. Um so does it have little tiny white flowers? Is that what you said? They're they're yellow, but they're small, and they're very close to the uh, in between the leaf and the stem. So they just look like little yellow frizzles. They don't really look like much. So you don't buy it for the flowers, but you do buy it for the the year round look because it's evergreen, and also for that scent in early spring. That's I love I love the smell of chocolate, and there's a chocolate flower. Is it chocolate cosmos? Yeah, chocolate cosmos. That's really um that's kind of that's not always hardy for us over the winter and I'm not sure if it's cold or um soggy soils that do it, but often you can find it uh people just buy it as an annual, you know, and they'll they'll replant yeah. it. But sometimes it'll winter over. Okay, and then, then then gardenia also. I have not been able to winter that over. Do you have any tricks or anything? Well, there is a hardy gardenia. There's at least one cultivar of a hardy gardenia. And um, if it's the hardy one that you can't get to winter over, then I would say it's it might, if it's just out on its own in a pot somewhere, it might be too wet for it. Um, so you could try again and ask, you know, ask at your local nursery to see if they recommend a certain cultivar more for us here in the Northwest. Okay, and my last question is, I have I have something that smells exactly like gardenia, and it's wintered over in the ground. Sometimes my pots make it too, but um, in the ground it wintered over, it has tiny little green leaves, and it's got tiny little white flowers. You know the name of it. And, and this is a, uh, sorry, th- is this a shrub? It's like a shrub. Yeah, tiny... Yeah. White flowers. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think I need more to go on than that. <laughs> oh, okay. It has, you know, four-petal little flowers, and um, it doesn't smell exactly like gardenias. It's just tiny little clusters of flowers. Oh, uh, unfortunately, I do not know. But you know what? You can take a little, uh, take a photo or take a snip of it into um, your local nursery, and that way they can see it, and I bet they'll be able to identify it. Okay. Okay, it's wonderful. It does, in the ground, it does beautifully. Even with the snow on it, it did beautifully. Oh, that's great. Well, yeah, you, you okay. know what? I'm going to have to run, Gina. We're at the end of our time. Thanks so much for calling, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. This is Marty Wingate, and I have been sitting in for Cisco today while he's in France. Please go to my news, uh, my website to sign up for my newsletter, martywingate.com, and you will find out all the details about our Cotswolds tour next June in 2020. So um, thanks very much. Get out there. You may already be out there. Uh, get out there in your um, garden and see what's going. And also, this is a great time of year to take a look at the bulbs that are starting to bloom. And if you see uh, daffodils or tulips that you love in somebody else's garden, ask them the name of that plant. This is the time to do it. And then when, you know, the bulb catalogs come out in June. And if you order your bulbs in June, you get a discount. So I will say that right now. You could order your bulbs in June. You will already have your list of um, whatever they are. Uh, and then you'll get, then you'll be, uh, you'll have a head start on fall. We'll have to wait a little while. You know, the ornamental onions, the alliums don't start blooming yet. May, May, June, that's when they come along. Um, and that's really something to look forward to because then 
obviously. You know, we feel like it's supper, uh, summer by then, so that's great. Um, it's been fun to sit in, keep an eye on the plant sales this spring, and the garden tours locally. Thanks so much. This is Marty Wingett signing off. You understand.